If I seem nervous, it's because I am. <laughs> I've been doing this for 20 years, and I, actually 30 years, and I still get nervous <laughs> before I get up. Uh, so uh, Jared asked me if I would fill in for him this weekend. Uh, he's at a wedding, I understand. And I, I like Jared. I think he's doing a, a really good job at Hope Center. I, I like his sermons. I like his leadership style. And I'm blessed that I still get to be a part of what God's doing here at Hope Center after so many years. And uh, are you all enjoying your summer? I know these guys are. These guys just got back from Israel. Yeah. Aiden and Savannah. And uh, I took this picture a couple of weeks ago of my weather station. And uh, <clears throat> I pasted it on Facebook and I said, it's warming up nicely here. We've set a lot of records lately uh, and, and broken records in Montana, 500-year flood, all kinds of temperature records. I rode my motorcycle Friday and it was gorgeous. I, my mic's going louder and softer when I turn my head, isn't it? Uh, so, I, I love to ride my motorcycle and talk to Jesus while I ride my motorcycle and, and just enjoy the, the creation that he created. I like to ride early before it gets too hot. Um, but do you know the thing that I love doing the most in my life even though it makes me nervous, is this, is encouraging people in the Lord and in their walk and helping them get ready for eternity because we're going to spend a lot more time there than we are here. Here's a scripture that I just love. It's Isaiah 52, verse 7. It says, How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, Your God reigns. Does anybody besides me want to be a good news bringer. Amen? So I like to take our dog, Jaken for walks in the evening uh, before we go to bed. And there is the weirdest cat on the corner. <laughs> it's, it's a long-haired, blonde tiger cat. Tiger. And... Uh, when it sees that Jaken and I are coming, um, he starts stalking Jaken. 
And our Jaken is a, a 70 pound golden doodle, okay? And so it totally weirds Jaken out when he sees this cat stalking him because our cat, Jasper, we have a, a tuxedo cat and, and Jaken loves to play with Jasper, but this cat does not look like it wants to play. And so Jaken's like, what do I do now? And uh, so the owner of the cat, this nice lady, sees her cat stalking my dog, and she runs up and picks it up in her arms. And, and I say, thank you for saving my dog. <laughs> and so, so this happened a number of times. And uh, one evening, I'm walking my dog, and the cat's not there. And this gal's boyfriend comes out and talks to me, and he says that he would rather that I not talk to his girlfriend. <laughs> because she thinks I'm making fun of her. And I said, okay, uh, can I like just say hello? He said, no, don't say anything. Just look straight ahead and, and walk by. And I'm like totally bummed out. I certainly was not a good news bringer to my na uh, neighbor or her boyfriend. But one thing I know for sure is that Jesus loves both of them every bit as much as he loves me. And he wants relationship with them every bit as much as he wants relationship with me or with you. Have any of you seen the pictures from the, the new James Webb telescope? Uh, it's, it's amazing. The, so the Hubble telescope was the best for 30 years. It's this telescope in space. And the Hubble telescope has a 16 megapixel camera. And, but the James Webb Telescope has a 123 megapixel camera, and it's in orbit a million miles away from the Earth. And, and the pictures are amazing. And they, I've seen some of the first pictures of galaxies billions of light years away. And, and to me, what's most amazing is God created it all. You know, he, he did it all. And so this is a picture of the, one of the first pictures that it took. And uh, there was, there was a, a dark spot in the Big Dipper, or the Little Dipper, 
and for a hundred years they just thought it was blank. And they pointed this camera in the dark spot for a hundred hours and they came up with this picture showing thousands if not millions of other galaxies that they didn't even know they existed before this. I like this verse, Psalm 147.4. It says that God, he determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Can you imagine how incredible God is if he determines the number of stars and he calls them each by name and he knows your name and he knows my name he even knows how many hairs are on each of our heads god is amazing but you know something jesus wouldn't have come and died on a cross for any galaxy, or any star, or any black hole out in space, or anything else in the universe, but God sent his son to the earth to die for you and me so that we could be saved and we could spend eternity with him, the one who determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. I called our talk today, Ready for Eternity. And I, I want to look at a couple of verses that just I love and they move me in my spirit. And the first one is Ecclesi's, Ecclesiastes 3.11. Why don't you read it with me? God has made everything beautiful for its time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Now, I also love this verse uh, in Proverbs, Proverbs 25.2. It says it's, the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. And so, so God has set eternity in our hearts, and it pleases him when we're curious. And we want to know things about him and, and to know about his creation. And an interesting thing I've noticed is I've been checking out this James Webb telescope is how the, the astronomers are always referencing the Big Bang, okay? And how excited they are that they believe they are discovering the the oldest galaxies that came into being only millions of years after the Big Bang that they said formed the universe. And they talk about it like it is a fact. 
And you can measure everything else off of this point called the Big Bang. And they believe that everything in the universe and even life itself came into being by a huge cosmic explosion at the beginning of time, and they call it the Big Bang. And I'm going like, wow, that is incredibly random, and it makes me sad that you can look at the universe and not even include God or the Bible in it. And I am really excited to see what this telescope shows us out there, but I can't leave God out of it, and I can't leave the Bible out of it. When God questions Job in the last chapters of the book of Job, God asks Job, he says, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you understand. And God goes on and lists, lists all these things that he did, and any one of them would blow my mind. But the reality is that none of these scientists were there, and they have incredible imaginations to know what they to think that they know what happened in the beginning, some cosmic explosion. To me, that takes a lot crazier faith than being a Christian and believing in Jesus. My first point is that God created everything. God created everything. <clears throat> I remember when I was in college uh, in the 70s at the University of Montana, I was a hippie artist. <laughs> and I was talking to this kid about creation and evolution. And so I was taking all these college uh, biology, all these life classes in the, the university, and, and I was doing great, and this kid got really upset at me, and he went and he grabbed a Bible and showed me how everything was created, and I could hardly believe that people still believed that stuff when he showed it to me. And this is what he showed me, Galatians, or Genesis 1, 1 to 5. says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. 
and evening passed and morning came making the first day. So today, I realize how wrong I was and how right that kid was. And I think if I could be that wrong, I bet there are still things that I don't fully understand that I'm probably still very wrong about. And I'm hoping that as I search out the matter, Jesus will reveal hidden things to me because I seek him and I want his heart. Now, a friend of mine, Garris Elkins, uh, posted a picture on Facebook. And I, I like to read Garris's stuff because he's a lot smarter than I am. And he challenges me. And this is the, the picture that he put up. And it's, so it's a coin standing on edge. And Garris was talking about how we tend to see everything as black and white, conservative, liberal, evangelical, liturgical, vax, no vax, uh, on and on with all of these polarizing issues in our society. And Garris talked about that a coin actually has three sides and not just two. Uh, there is one side of the coin. There is the opposite side of the coin. And there's the edge. And that we should be able to see both sides of the issues, but really, both sides are right about some things and wrong about some things. And personally, I like to watch the news. I know some people think it's from the devil. Uh, but I like to see what's going on in, in the world each day. And it bugs me, doesn't matter what channel you watch, they're biased. The conservatives are biased their way, and the liberals are biased in, in their way, and both of them can be very unloving to people who are different than they are. The third side, the edge, is where you can see and you are aware of issues from the hearts of both sides, and yet you seek God's heart and God's word and God's best in making your life choices. It's not like being on the fence as a Christian or, or being lukewarm, but it's keeping God's heart and God's love and God's presence first in everything that we are doing. The second thing, embrace, embrace those who are wounded. Embrace those who are wounded. Bev and I uh, 
watched a chosen live stream a while back, and they showed how they invited these nine Generation Z people to binge the first season of, of The Chosen. Uh, they're young adults, 20-somethingers, and so they, they came to watch this, this season. There were all colors and kinds of people in the group. There was a, a gay Asian gal. Uh, there were some wounded in the church by religious, by religion people. Uh, there were these people who weren't Christians, had never been Christians at all, and, and they openly talked about their beliefs and what they were seeing and what they were thinking about what they were watching. If you don't know, The Chosen is, is a series uh, about Jesus and his disciples. And so it was interesting uh, that they would watch these videos and then talk about them. It was really interesting, and I, I loved watching them and their responses. I don't know if anybody was converted uh, or anything, but their interest in Jesus and the Bible and church definitely increased by watching this. The reality is that young people are more and more disinterested in Christianity in this day and age and with social media, internet access, streaming videos and movies and all this stuff, we have access to. It can be difficult to reach people who are different than we are. So I like to use the chosen to get them thinking about Jesus again. The Apostle Paul said this, I love this, this is actually the Passion translation. It says, I became Jewish to the Jewish people in order to win them to the Messiah. I became like one under the law to gain the people who were stuck under the law, even though I myself am not under the law. And to those who were without the Jewish laws, I became like them as one without the Jewish laws in order to win them, although I'm not outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. I became weak to the weak to win the weak. I have adapted to the culture of every place I've gone so that I could more easily win people to Christ. There's a, a gal that I just love. Uh, she's like a daughter to me. And she was in our church and she fell in love with a guy who loves Jesus. And the first time they kissed was after they said, I do. 
when I married them. And she very quickly got pregnant and had a very difficult birth. And now they have four kids, all girls. And this gal continued to struggle with her health, had different things happening, and she felt forsaken by God. She stopped reading her Bible. She stopped going to church, and, and, and it broke my heart. And so I packaged up and sent them the first season of The Cho Chosen, hoping that they would watch it and get her curiosity going about Jesus today. And she didn't watch it. They didn't watch it, and but they were back in time in in town, and so they came over and we visited for three or four hours, and it was a great visit. We got a minister to them. We talked about her pain, and and the feeling she had, and we cried. And she promised that she would watch the DVDs I sent her. And now she's watching them and loving them. And I'm hoping that it excites her, her relationship with Jesus. The last thing is don't become selfish. Don't become selfish. I remember a time when my pastor and many of our pastors, Pastor Stan, had the church stand up and face the center of the room. And so they could see all their friends and all the people they loved and um, they were close to. And then he had us all turn around so we were facing the walls. Uh, and I lost my place for a minute. And, and he talked about how we were a great church and we had these, all these great relationships with people we love. And, but maybe we were becoming inwardly focused instead of outwardly focused. And he talked about that we should think about the people who were on the outside, and maybe they're messed up. Maybe they're too busy or too whatever to realize that they need Jesus too. And that it's really important that we love and we have relationships with the other people in the church, but we would always love the lost and always be praying for them, and always be reaching out to those who, know, don't, who don't know Jesus. 
And I might be biased, but I think one of the best ways to introduce people to Jesus is to get them to come to church and worship and sit with us and maybe go out to breakfast or lunch afterwards or something. You see, if we really love Jesus, we want to follow and obey him. And I think it's important that we give ourselves to doing what he asked us to do, to go to the whole world and make disciples. And But we also need to, when we're doing that, be mindful of our own weaknesses. I remember uh, I worked at the Billings Gazette, and I was a, a graphic artist. And <coughs> I started a Bible study, and, and it was awesome what God was doing. And one of my superiors wanted to see if he could get me drunk and prove that I wasn't the kind of Christian that I led on to be. And so he invited me to this party at his house. And I decided to go. I wanted to befriend him, be nice to him. And when I got there, everybody was drinking and everybody was offering me drinks. And I didn't drink. And I, I figured out, you know, I'm probably not going to have much impact with all these inebriated people. <laughs> and so I decided to leave. And not in a condescending way or... Um, And I thought, well, maybe the best witness I could have had in that circumstance was to leave. Leave in a nice way, but leave. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. And it's, it, it's important that we want to help others. And that we, but that we are aware of our own weaknesses and we don't put ourselves into compromising situations. And I hope that when, personally, when I leave non-believers, that they know that I love them and they know I don't condemn them. but it's the Holy Spirit who convicts them of their need to change. Amen? In Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells 
the parable of, of the rich man having a huge feast. And he invites all of his friends and relatives, but they were all too busy or too distracted to come. And they obviously didn't care that much about the rich man or they would have come who was throwing the feast. So the man told his servants to go to the highways and the byways and invite everybody to come. And the servants came back and, and they said this in Luke 14. It says, when the servant, this is the Passion Translation again, when the servant returned to his master and said, Sir, I have done what you asked, but there's still room for more. And so the master told him, all right, go out again. And this time, <coughs> this time bring them all back with you. Persuade the beggars on the streets and the outcasts, even the homeless. Insist that they come and enjoy the feast so that my house will be full. I say to you, no one who receives the invitation to the feast with me and makes excuses will ever enjoy my banquet. And this parable really reveals God's heart. Uh, that he wants everybody to come. Um, and experience the love and fulfillment that only he can bring. Amen? Let's pray.